0: What's up, guys? What's up, girls? Friday afternoon show. A little bit late, a little bit abbreviated, but uh, I realize, Chris, we've had so much going on. We have not checked in on the GC live fam. So we, we had to, we had to knock this out before we get to the weekend. There's been, there's been plenty of stuff going on, plenty of stuff actually to talk about. We probably could have done really a full week's worth of shows to be honest, but um, trying to get content ready for Gamecock central, trying to work on some other things behind the scenes, Garnet trust blowing up, which is a great thing. It means Gamecock fans are supporting it, but we couldn't go the entire week without talking a little South Carolina football and of course, without telling everybody about a buddy, Clint Hammond, he is the main mortgage man in Columbia, South Carolina, branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network. NMLS number 71597 See Hammond at mortgage network.com, 803-576-4450. If you're in the market for a new home, you know the deal by now. Give Clint a shout. Hope everybody is having a great Friday and hope everybody's getting ready for a weekend. Maybe take a little time off, maybe watch the Game Men's basketball team tomorrow. Uh, Football team going to be honored. South Carolina Football Junior Day going on tomorrow. We'll have complete coverage of that afterwards on Gamecock Central Saturday afternoon and probably a lot of it bleeding over into Sunday, to be honest. But, Chris, where do we start, man? Um, You know, we we haven't talked a ton about the Portal guys. I think we gave a Portal preview last week. I was looking back on Friday. We talked about the four guys that were coming in. So I don't want to let it get away from us without talking about those four guys. But I I think we got to start with what has just happened. Shane Beamer speaking to the media today and of course the official hire of Sterling Lucas kind of been trending this way since um, I would say middle of the week, earlier in the week, it started that, that name was really bouncing around out there and, and you can tell from, from what Beamer has said, from what we have heard behind the scenes, uh, the guy just knocked the interview out of the park. Um, everybody can go read about the background, where he's been, the NC state, the Clayton white connections, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, Chris, what's been your biggest takeaway, man, as far as what Beamer has said, what we've gathered on why this hire is the right fit. And I'll I'll use that word because I think it's important here. They kind of have a good vibe going on that defensive staff right now. And I I think that was as important as anything when they seeked to fill this uh, hole in the staff that was created by the departure of Mike Peterson.
1: Yeah, that that fit and – working into that culture that Shane Beamer wants to have, I think certainly was, was something, but Wes, you and I, you know, we did some checking on this when we knew that the hire was kind of becoming, uh, was going to be the guy right yesterday board meeting. Obviously that approval came earlier today, but when we knew this was the move, we dug in a little bit more and, you know, this is not a typical, you, you hear this a lot, but Sterling Lucas had a lot of people that he knew backing him for this job. You know, people from the NFL uh, called on his behalf from what we heard. Um, A lot of guys that had worked with him spoke very, very highly of him. Now, that's not atypical. You know, when you see a guy in the mix for a job, they're going to have references. They're going to have people call on their behalf. Uh, But there were just a lot of really, really positive things that we heard about Sterling Lucas. Obviously, he's a South Carolina native. Um, which is something that's intriguing, right? He's got that positional versatility of – played linebacker in high school and college, he coached linebackers, he's been a weight room guy, worked his way up from a grad assistant, Um, and he's also coached edge rushers, defensive ends, and he's done it at the highest level, you know, as an assistant D-line coach in the NFL, which we've seen a lot of guys in the college game either take those roles eventually in the NFL before moving up more – or come to college from one of those assistant, you know, position coach roles in the NFL. Um, Lots of positive talk, you know, about this guy. Uh, Personality-wise, he's young, obviously, still a young, up-and-coming type of coach. And for what we gathered, Wes, you know, I'll be honest, was Sterling Lucas, he was certainly one of Clayton White's guys immediately from what Beamer has said. Was he shamed? Beamer's like, was the first guy in his head, Sterling Lucas? I don't know. But from what we have gathered, he really kind of made a very steady and very quick rise. And what, you know, by the time the interview process rolled around, Beamer saying publicly they talked to three guys, it seemed like he was just the best option. And it seemed like they thought he was the best option by a good bit.
0: Yeah, I think uh the, the interview process you know, I think the references obviously played a big part, the interview process, the energy from from Sterling Lucas. And that's the first question I think people will have. They'll see comes from the NFL. They'll say, well, how does this translate to recruiting? And, you know, we're not going to blindly tell people, hey, this guy's going to be the best recruiter on staff. Like, that's not fair to anybody. But um, based on everything we have picked up, um, first of all, recruiting – is 90 80% are you willing to work at it are you willing to grind and uh by all indications this guy is willing to work he he will be a grinder the other parts of it are you know i think having a personality having energy having uh you know being a good human being that's one of the first things that popped up is here's the thing about the coaching community guys don't go to bat for other guys if they're just crappy human beings for the most part, you know, you don't put your name on somebody who could embarrass you. So, you know, I, I think with what Beamer is trying to build that that's going to be important. And uh, that, you know, that you, if it's going to be a family atmosphere, you need, you need, you need good people in, in your organization. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's sort of the book right there is hard worker, high energy, good personality, local guys. So you have some local ties there, obviously from Orangeburg, and, uh, and that he's a good dude. You know, Chris, you and I both got a text, uh, you know, from the same person, but uh, un unannounced, like unasked for, unprompted. Uh, last night when, when the word, you know, word was getting out, uh, basically saying, this is a great hire. Um, I go to bat for that guy. And, uh, you know, when we start getting stuff like that. I, I do think it, it speaks volumes. And, uh, you know, I, I, think, I think you'll hit the ground running and recruiting. I think you give him – Obviously, some South Carolina territories. You know, probably a North Carolina territory as well, being an NC State guy. Um, and, and then, let's be honest, you're. If you look at the visitors list we put up, Shane Beamer saying, certain Lucas will be in town," you know, tomorrow. You got to knock out that that NCAA recruiting test, and uh, a, a young man from Sumter. Uh, Montague Reigns is supposed to be in town, expected in town, on Saturday. So that's easily one of your biggest in-state targets for 2023 that will, um, in theory, if he makes it in, get to to meet Sterling Lucas for the first time on Saturday.
1: No doubt. And, I mean, the recruiting aspect, Wes, is going to be a big part of this. And that's, I mean – put on my captain obvious mask and saying that, but the, the reason why is you look at this roster and are there some guys there? Sure. Jordan strong's coming back, but this will be his final season. Jordan Birch, you know, still has plenty of upside. I think he's kind of scratched the surface of what he could do at South Carolina, but he'll be a junior next year, you know, so two years left after that, you got to get some more guys in the pipeline. And as we've documented, we won't dwell on this part, but South Carolina, You know, they're bringing in a couple guys who can be edge rush guys and Brian Thomas and Donovan Westmoreland, but they were recruiting two others that they struck out on before the December signing period, James Pierce and Jay Sean Barham, obviously from Maryland. So that makes the 23 class pretty pretty critical. Couldn't spit that out. And, you know, could we see some transfer portal activity for the 23 class at at edge rush? Sure, I think so. But at the end of the day, you still, even in this transfer portal era, you've got to bring in guys – that can play early still, even as high school freshmen, uh, they do that at the the best programs in the country, still play, play guys early. Um, and then you got to be able to put some guys in your pipeline to develop. So that'll be critical. And then those guys I mentioned, I mean, Jordan strong, he'll be in basically a contract here. So somebody that can develop him, will you bring in somebody who's done it in the NFL, who, who's seen that seen what that looks like. And a guy like Jordan Birch who has massive, you know, physical potential, physical tools, and they need to continue, you know, trying to draw more out of him. So when you look at this hire, it was a very important hire, you know, given the position that he coaches and also given the need to go get some more guys on the recruiting trail.
0: Yeah. Beamer, Beamer mentioning, uh, not by name, but just mentioned, hey, some, some of the guys that Sterling Lucas has been around, you know, coaching in the NFL, the guys that, uh, you know, Either he's, he's kind of rubbed off on a little bit or just, frankly, being around all pro guys, like, you know, or actually, in some cases, all timers, like, uh, you know, like a Terrell Suggs uh, with, with the Ravens. No, nobody's sitting here giving him credit for, like, creating, you know, Terrell Suggs. It's more about just what you learn. Being around a Ravens staff and some of those players, what you would learn as a young coach, those were – those Ravens defense, at, at one point in his five years there, they were actually the literal top defense in the NFL as far as total defense, total yardage. They I, I went back and looked through about three or four years. They were always in the the top group in, in the NFL. So you're learning from the right people, right? And then when, um, when Cullen, who was the Jags defensive coordinator, left – the Ravens, he was the Ravens' defensive line coach. He got the defensive coordinator job with the Jaguars. He brings Sterling Lucas with him. So I think that's a trend here is people who have been around Lucas, who have been on his staff with him, uh, kind of, you know, believe in the guy, I guess is, is the best way to say it, right down to Clayton White being there when when Lucas literally was cutting. Like when he was in his first coaching stop, fresh out of college there at nc state in one of those roles where you know if coach asks you to go get coffee you're asking him does he want cream and sugar you know like when you're first getting your start it's it's you got to do everything you can to to sort of stay in the mix there
1: absolutely gotta gotta find a way to make yourself stand out but no i mean we've seen i mean look when mike peterson started his coaching career little little bit different background than lucas you know obviously um and hopefully sterling lucas i'm sure he's listening to this show as a top priority doesn't take this as an as an affront to his playing ability he was he was a good i still remember covering him in high school i mean he was a good high school prospect and a productive player at nc state No, he had some injuries there mike peterson played 14 years in the nfl like a little bit of a different background but mike peterson got into coaching basically as a weight room guy in Flor at florida will muschamp brought him to south carolina gave him his first on-field job so this will be, for Sterling Lucas, you know, this will be his show, basically, right? But he's been there. I mean, he's worked closely with players. You're talking about the NFL where everything is extremely, you know, organized. It's it's a profession. You're, you're pros. Everybody's a pro, right? So there's, there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot that goes into the college game as well. Uh, but he's been there. He's seen that process, and he's really worked his way up, so he's seen – The college process from the ground up and now in the NFL as well and now getting an opportunity to run his own show so I say that to illustrate that some people may look at this as like an inexperienced coach this is a guy that has kind of experience from a lot of different places and different you know types of things that he's done in the past that have probably prepared him pretty well for this
0: yeah, man. So there was a question on here, by the way, shout out to everybody in the chat. I know it's a little bit different time than we normally record slash go live, but we got some folks in here. Hopefully, maybe some people catching us live that don't normally get to KC, uh, Shout out to you, man, saying finally catching a live show. But We had a question earlier. I can't see it right now. There it is. Jamie said, um, did they only look at linebacker coaches? And I, I want to I think it's important time to, to throw this in there, Chris, because there was a lot. There's quite a bit of confusion. When Mike, even when Mike Peterson left. Um, Mike Peterson was not South Carolina's linebackers coach. He was titled the outside linebackers coach. But in the reality of the room they're working in, like the actual players, the personnel, it's a defensive ends slash edges slash bucks. Slash what, whatever you want to call the guys that are lining up on the outside of the defensive line is essentially – what Mike Peterson did, and right now, Lucas is a direct replacement in that role. Um, so it's it's a, it gets a little bit confusing because Mike P was outside linebackers, and Jimmy Lindsay is called the defensive line coach. When really it's interior defensive lineman versus the perimeter defensive lineman, uh, which is what he'll be handling. Was now there was some talk, Jamie? Uh, you know, a name we reported, Christian Robinson. He was a true LB's coach, a true linebacker's coach at Florida. There was some talk about the possibility of shifting some guys around. Sterling Lucas, as a former linebacker, gives you some versatility. One day he could coach linebackers if you wanted to, to make that move. But as far as right now, it was a consideration, but that's just not the direction they went. Clayton White still officially serving as South Carolina's, what you would call inside linebackers, the, the two spots that are on the field. Again, what would you say, man? In this defense, like 90% of their plays, it seems like.
1: Yeah, I mean, they they base out of the nickel, and there was a lot made of that when Clayton White came to South Carolina. But, I mean, it, these days in college football, you're going to play a lot of nickel regardless of, you know, if that's not what you normally like to do as a team, you're going to probably be forced into playing a lot of nickel. So South Carolina does. They do uh, employ – I was going to say deploy. It could probably be either one, right? Employee, deploy. They use a Sam linebacker at times, a third linebacker. We did see some of that this season, but typically it's your, it's your will and your Mike backer, but it's a good point about the positional versatility there. There may come a day and and we're not saying there's this will happen, should happen speculating on that at all, but it is possible because Lucas played linebacker. He has experience coaching the position, helping coach the position uh, in the NFL. Clayton White, as we know, uh, most of his you know, coaching career, his, his background in terms of coaching is in the secondary. He's been a special teams coach. He played linebacker. So he's kind of moved around and bounced around. But in terms of position coaching, Clayton White has done more with the secondary, um, South Carolina, Shane Beamer mentioned Joe Bowen, you know, played a, was an important guy for South Carolina at linebackers, leaving to be a position coach at Miami of Ohio. So good for him. Did a really good job by all accounts for South Carolina, helping them out on the field where where he could, um, and and recruiting as well. So, you know, it, it does make sense that they're keeping Clayton White there to position coach. They're gonna let Jimmy Lindsay continue coaching just the defensive tackles, but this does give them flexibility into the future if they see some things that they need to move around for any reason.
0: Yeah, and, and not uh not that social media is real life, Chris, because it's it's not, but when when Joe Bowen announced his exit, first of all, very classy not you know the, the average fan may you know honest may not know who joe bowen is uh, i think the hard hardcore fan probably does know who he is but uh, you know defensive analyst role off the field you call it role um but the number of players and south carolina current coaches that made it a point to publicly wish joe bowen luck say to say hey this guy's a great coach uh, the coaches thanking him for, you know, and being happy for him to get an on-field job. You know, but Bowen's not leaving South Carolina if it's not to get an on-field coaching position, which is what he he got, um, you know, a linebacker's coaching spot. So I, I just thought you can tell the level of respect when that many people go out of their way to congratulate and thank somebody publicly. And Beamer, the thought even crossed my my mind, but Beamer just went ahead and said it because I already had it in my head. I was like, that guy – when South Carolina has an opening down the road and he's got a little more experience coaching on the field, there's a, I would say, decent chance at some point, depending on how, you know, you know how coaching is. You don't know how the, the dominoes are going to fall. But he could be back at South Carolina one day. And Beamer just came out and said it. He was like, there's a chance. Like, I'm probably going to hire that, try to hire that guy back one day. So that that tells you something about, just the amount of respect somebody has gathered in the room. So we want to probably an unsung guy with what he meant to the team this year, Chris,
1: you know, you know what it kind of reminded me of, and I'm not saying he's going to make a rise like this because as we know, Wes, so, so many coaching moves depends on like what schools you end up at, like who, you know, that's a big part of it. Right. And Joe Bowen does certainly have a lot of connections, but you know, I think about man, like the way that Dan Lanning, who's the new head coach at Oregon, and he's 35 years old. You know, um, this guy made kind of a meteoric rise. You know, he was a he was a high school coach, then he was a GA at Pittsburgh and a GA at Arizona State, um, and then just was like an off field guy at Arizona State, and that was in 2013. You know, and he grinded it out as a position coach for a while. He was a GA at Bama, right? Which that definitely helped him. Like he got into that system once he got there. Boom, you know, he's at Memphis. But this guy's made a meteoric rise, and he's he got started early. Um, everybody knew when he was a grad assistant that he had something to him, and so in some regards, you hear about GAs and they're kind of uh, you know they're a dime a dozen, but a guy like Joe Bowen has a little bit something like extra to him. Where a lot of people are pointing at him and going that you know that guy could could turn into something. So that's kind of the parallel that made me. I'm not predicting Joe Bowen's going to be the you know a power five head coach in five years, but it just goes to show you that you you can make a rise like that. And and if guys see stuff in you early on, and I think they do see some stuff in him pretty early.
0: Well, if he, if he does do that, um, I'm going to go back and edit that and make you say. um, Joe Bowen's going to be a Power Five coach in five years, and we'll just play. Very good. You predicted the future there.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that, you having that'll my that'll back. Be really
0: on there. good. Um, and Prama Gourmet will be happy because we'll still be talking about him five years from now. Um, by the way, had Prama Gourmet for for lunch, chicken thighs with uh, the sort of hibachi Asian style ones that are in there right now.
1: Ooh, those are good, man.
0: Like, They're chicken thighs because it has a different flavoring on it, uh, mm. seasoning on it each week. That's actually most of the time, my favorite of the five mills that Chris and I are rocking from Primal Gourmet. Um, we we don't have two, we don't have a ton of time, so I, I, I do want to make sure to get into the recruits, Chris. Um, by the way, how about how about Shane Beamer shouting out Fifth Avenue Deli today? That was awesome. I know we could talk about that a long time, but I, I gotta I gotta at least throw it in there. He he. Throughout that he's a fan of the Ray Tanner. Um, that is one. That's not my current favorite on the menu, but that is a favorite.
1: I've never had it.
0: It's good. You got, you got to be down for the cranberry mayo combination or you're going to hate it. Uh, See? Yeah. But you Beamer has good taste it. in my opinion is what we've learned today. Yeah. Fifth, Fifth Avenue daily though, the best kept, it is a little bit still of a secret in Columbia. But it, it's good, man. And you see yep. the same people there every time, which means it's <laughs>
1: you, you do that definitely
0: that crowd, right?
1: Like, and a lot of time, a lot of about- times it's us that are <laughs> <they're> there. <laughs> if you go on a given lunch day during the week, you may see uh me and Wes there. I I as you know, Wes, I can't come off to Kilbourne. It's hard for me. I yeah. found it and it's hard to go back. Yeah, so.
0: we've given away our secret meeting place. It is Fifth Avenue Delhi. That is normally where the business gets done, y'all. If you think you see us in there, it is definitely us. Come say hello. All right, let's get into the recruits. Um, Beamer saying the four – by the way, Gamecocks went four for four on transfer portal visitors committing last week. We talked about it Friday. We previewed some of these guys. We said, hey, this could happen. I think we hinted it could happen. I don't know exactly how we worded it. But, um, by the way, I saw today um, Devani Reed. Beamer said the guys will be getting in the next few days if they're not already in. Um, Devani Reed has – has physically arrived in Columbia. There's always like a little process of enrollment and all those things, but um, he has physically arrived in Columbia. I saw, I actually saw this on social media that Antoine Wells jr. Was um, packing and moving out at James Madison. I can't remember if that was Thursday or Wednesday, Chris, but he, he told me when I talked to him earlier this week that he had to pack up Sometimes people forget these are still human beings. Like they're still kids. Like they, he's like, I got to pack up. He's like, I got to figure out. He's, like, I got to figure out the situation with this townhome I'm in. <laughs> like, get it leased out to somebody else or something. Uh, see if I can break my lease. Um, go to Richmond to pick up his other stuff. And then it was like, I'm trying to get to Columbia, you know, as soon as possible. So, all four guys at some point in the next few days should be in town. Um, At this point, I think – I'm trying to think of the best order to go in. Let's start with Terrell Dawkins. He was the first public guy. The more I've heard about this kid, man, the more I actually think he's a very underrated pickup for for South Carolina. Uh, Your thoughts on how he fits in?
1: Well, I'll go back to what I said earlier in the show, the need there. You know, I mean, you lose a six-year guy in Sterling. You lose a a high, probably, NFL draft pick in J.J. and Igbari, And so, fortunately for South Carolina, they've got the two Jordans back, trademark, uh, Strong and Birch. But you need some other guys behind them um, to to play more snaps. Now, there are some candidates on the roster, for sure. uh, But Dawkins is someone that has size, North Carolina native. And he showed some flashes in his college career. He's had has had you know a couple injury issues, um, but he's got size and he's got physical ability. So I think you know the the ability to go through spring practice with South Carolina, get integrated into the system, is significant. This is I would think Wes as long as he can get through spring practice, get acclimated well, pick things up from a physical standpoint. This is a guy that could very well play a, a good amount this season. I think.
0: Something I've picked up on a little bit uh, in the days since the commitment, Chris. This guy's got a little bit of dog in him, from what I've heard. For some people who know him, brings a little edge on the field. That that at times we've talked about it. That at times has lacked um, in Columbia. They've tried to get that back. Uh, this guy's a little bit of that. NC State was using a scheme this past season that just didn't necessarily fit his skill set. This is a true like four down line edge rush defensive end. Uh, you know, will be like you said, coached by Sterling Lucas. So, uh I think just a it's quietly. I think if you didn't really dive into the roster, you'd be like, "Wait, defensive end is that really a need?" But then you dive in, you're like, "It it really is." And he's got more years of eligibility than just being a one and done, which I think is pretty helpful. Obviously, uh, considering uh, you know the one one of the Jordans is definitely out after this year, and the other one is you know, eligible to, to go to the NFL after this year. Uh, let, let's go in the, I guess, the order they went public. Would that be Devonnie Reed next? Um, Devon, Devonnie Reed committed first behind the scenes. That's right. Carl Dawkins com- committed first publicly. Um, and if if Devonnie Reed happens to be listening, I apologize in advance, man, or not in advance, but I apologize for the fact that, I've called you Damani Reed, because I guess, I don't know, I've got Damani Staley, I don't know. But it is Devonnie Reed from Central Michigan. I also had you from Western Michigan at some point. So I'm going to try to get those things right moving forward. But Devonnie Reed will, and I probably should be careful, because Devonnie Reed on the football field, Chris, will knock your head off.
1: Yeah, yeah, watch your, uh, you know, you need to correct yourself going forward. Yeah, I mean, th- this this kid can bring, you know, a physical presence. And so when, when you talk about the need, again, Wes, you can point right at safety on the defensive side of the ball. South Carolina, I think, was very fortunate and did a really good job in the secondary just in general because, I mean, Wes, how, how much did we talk about, side note, kind of, the secondary going into the year? And were there some issues? Yes, yes. But – nobody can dispute that that group outperformed and you can start it just outperformed and then you can go way up from there. What at least I thought, and I would, I would say most people thought, and a big part of that was safety, right? They, they didn't have any major injuries, which they could, they could not afford any injuries. Jalen Dickerson did go down later in the year, unfortunately, but they had to play guys a lot. You know, RJ Roderick had a steady solid season um, Jalen Foster, his emergence. I mean, we've we've documented that. That was huge. Well, Foster's out, right? I mean, he he doesn't have another year, unfortunately, for South Carolina. And so now the A, I mean, you're looking to plug somebody in there, and the depth is still not really there on the roster. You're looking at some guys that have been there and you're looking at a lot of freshmen. So Reed is somebody that you can plug in right off the bat, and it's not just an idea. Hey, hey, hopefully this guy can come in and play. Like he's got tape that shows and a lot of experience that shows that he can play. So, again, it will it be an adjustment, new scheme, SEC, all that. It will, uh, but there is some evidence there that he could come in and, and be a starter immediately for this team.
0: Uh, I wonder how much the fact that South Carolina could be like, hey, here's what Jalen Foster did last year. That guy's going to the NFL. We need to just slide you right in here. I mean, the, the offer, I mean, this kid got a Texas offer out of the transfer portal. It's, it's not like Carolina was just fighting off, you know, other group of five schools. I mean, it, it was, there was a, a nice little offer list that developed right off the bat for Devontae Reed. So that, that was a nice pickup all the way around, a very efficient pickup for Carolina. Um, they got him in town. He committed while in town, he went public once he got home. And not a guy from their normal footprint. I mean, Detroit, Michigan, um native. Whew. My man is gonna he he's gonna learn with with the summer heat in Columbia. Like that's gonna be he is. I feel for him right now.
1: Hey, and and side note, Wes, so so while we're talking about it, I, I know we gotta stay on topic with these guys, but just thinking about the point about the secondary, it, it kind of dawned on me like Man, every every player in the secondary, I can't think of one, you know, taking out the injury component. Every single guy is playing their best ball. You know, like Darius Rush, Cam Smith. Cam Smith made a big jump. That probably doesn't get talked about enough. Darius Rush, Jalen Foster. I mean, you know, um, R.J. Roderick, I think, probably had his most stable, consistent season. Marcel so. Stiles stepped right in. Marcelo Stau a JUCO guy. I mean, you know, hadn't played at all. He stepped right in. So that that definitely says something. Torian Gray did a did a really good job with that group and um definitely a selling point for them on the trail with Reed cuz he's he's going to have a great chance to step right in. Torian Gray was the scapegoat
0: for Florida's defense. Like I, I yeah. I I 100% believe that now. You know, it's like I always kind of thought I was like, man, this guy has had a great track record pretty much everywhere he's been. Um, but then you see what he did with this group and just the way he carries himself. Um, Torian Gray's a very, just like low key sort of quiet confidence type guy, you know? And I, I think, uh, the way he's carried himself, I don't know. It just kind of rub. It just fits that group. Like he came in, Torian Gray came in with confidence, but it was like he, it was a different vibe I feel like. And I remember the first day, he, one of the first days he got here, he did the zoom call and he was like, um. You know, I think he said something about we want to be the new DBU or continue the DBU thing. And, um, you know, I, I think he instilled confidence in those guys. And they lost Karan Prunty, who was supposed to be fighting for a cornerback one spot, you know. So, I mean, golly. I mean, Darius Rush, that was my hot take from a few weeks ago. Darius Rush, I think, is going to come back and have an outstanding year and be on NFL draft boards because physically. He's got everything, and now he's gotten comfortable playing cornerback. Cam Smith, we always knew Cam Smith had a great upside. You started to see that this year of him looking like a true lockdown, like a true top cornerback in this league. So um, Reed will step right in and allow some of those freshmen. I think that's the big piece of it too. Allow those freshmen to come along at a little bit slower pace and not just be thrown in there. Because if you if you have a hole at safety then if if one of those spots just can't play you're getting up a lot of touchdowns <laughs> like you know if, if, if you have a spot that just you don't have a guy there you're done right so I think getting a veteran where you just know this guy can come in and, and hold down the fort basically at the very least is really big for that spot
1: it is 100 percent. you make mistakes back there and like the, band, said, the other band is playing the other band's playing is touchdowns. so and, and that's what i mean south carolina gave up some of that this year right but like they they had some of those performances that got a little off the rails you know tennessee a and i mean tennessee's probably the greatest example in terms of the secondary but with with i mean you remember i mean when when pruny committed that was a great example i mean people have almost kind of memory hold that now because it became during the season, if they would have struggled badly consistently the entire year, that would have been a recurring theme. Well, Karan prani people didn't really talk about it that much because he got in, he was here, he was, you know, practiced for, what, two, three days, and it looked like he was going to be the guy because of all the holes, and then he wasn't here. And so then it's, well, <laughs> next man up, and and they were able to develop some guys for sure. But, yeah, specifically at safety man, look, they're still going to be thin this year. Because at a, at a bare minimum, they're going to have a couple guys who start. they maybe have a backup that they feel, you know, okay about right now. And then they're going to have freshmen, you know. So, they are still going to have to piece some things together back there. No doubt. Um, I'm,
0: I'm going to have to cut this one short. So, let's uh, let's go ahead and get to the final couple of guys here, Chris. Um, Antoine Wells, Jr. from James Madison. Arguably – or I would say probably easily one of the top five top receivers in FCS ball, maybe top two to three. Mike Yuva had some good stuff he he relayed from a, a coach for an opposing team for him. When I look at Wells, I was trying to get a feel for the skill set, man. He just feels like a complete receiver. Like he's not, he's not the six-five guy, but he's not the 5'10, five, 5'9 five, slot guy. Um, you know, he's not the four three. 40 yard dash, but he's not slow by any means. He's got some thick, like he's got a build to him. He's listed at two Oh four. I see a guy with great ball skills, good hands. And that can create after the catch is a few of the things that stood out to me, sort of piecing together some different highlights for him. He'll have every opportunity to start at receiver for South Carolina this coming year. Um, you know, alongside have having Van back to where those guys defenses won't be able to really cue in on either one. Um I think they're gonna keep fishing in the portal, right, at receiver, but this is a, a really good start at that position.
1: It is. And and like you said, when you watch him play, it doesn't absolutely blow you away or overwhelm you with like the physical traits of guys just running past everybody or always six four, you know, with huge arms uh big long arms but he he does he just produces i mean the guy knows how to get open and the hands is what stood out to me you know this is somebody who can make despite not being huge and, re- and this big rangy guy um he can go up and get the ball he's not afraid to battle for it um he can make those tough catches on out routes along the sideline where the ball's you know a little out of your reach you think he can go snag it so um he's just kind of a savvy crafty player and i think the the production that he had at James Madison shows that, yeah, he's he's stepping up a level, there's no doubt, uh, but a lot of times you know how to get open, you know how to get open. He's going to have every opportunity to do that um, in this receiving core that, that needs more help.
0: And, and getting in for spring practice, obviously, uh, for Wells and for all these guys will be massive. Go ahead and learn the playbook, learn the offense, uh, start pushing for playing time. And, and finally, Christian Beale-Smith coming in from Wake Forest. Again, I, I think there's some similarities to these other guys just in the sense of – you're feeling a need. They lost two running backs. They may keep searching. You know, they will keep searching. They may go get another one in the portal. And but to me, man, the word dependable comes up with Christian Bill Smith. He split time, you know, two seasons ago, he was splitting time with Kenneth Walker, who's the best running back in the country this past season with Michigan State. Absolute stud. And he's that solid, de- dependable, steady, doesn't fumble. Gonna get the dirty yardage, gonna do the dirty work. Um, you know, runs hard, runs with a little bit of anger at times from what I saw. And maybe not as flashy as like a juju or Marshawn Lloyd or a guy like that, but when you lose a Kevin Harris who could be when healthy, your workhorse, we all know how hard Z White ran. I think it was important. He's still not the 230 pound back right so let's be clear about that but he is a pretty physical runner based on style
1: yeah he is and that was kind of the comparison again not not same player he is giving up some weight i think 15 20 pounds compared to kevin harris but they look a little similar in terms of build and they're the same height and i think the running styles have some similarities again he's not going you know kevin harris as we know could outrun some people and Beal Smith can, too, in, in, in situations. He's not going to just blow past people and just amaze you with the physical traits, but can he grind out six yards, nine yards, 11 yards here, five here? Yes, he can do that. And I think when you look at the roster composition for this season, this coming season, losing Harris, you don't have that as much. Beale Smith can help you fill that gap as that reliable, dependable option as a running back. And, I mean, a lot of people are like, well, where does he fit into the rotation? To be determined, but I, I think the guy's good enough to play a lot, you know, even with what South Carolina has on the roster.
0: Sure. He, he could be the starter. Like that's that would not be a surprise.
1: Possible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's very possible. All right, y'all. That's going to do it for today, but um, hopefully we jammed a lot of information in there. Um, moving forward, looking at the portal, three spots left. Could be another receiver in there. Could be another running back in there. If the right offensive tackle came along, um, you know, West Weeks, the linebacker from Virginia, supposed to be on campus this weekend. So still plenty to come as far as South Carolina recruiting the transfer portal. And as Shane Beamer said during his press conference today, junior, like underclassmen recruiting, all that stuff, well underway, a junior day at South Carolina on Saturday. And uh, South Carolina men's basketball game with Florida on Saturday. Football team will be recognized at halftime. Lots to talk about on Gamecocks Central. Lots to talk about here on GC Live. So we'll, We'll, we'll try to do more than one show next week. Let's make that our goal, Chris. We'll do more than one show next week. But uh, you got anything else, Chris?
1: You good? No, I agree. More than one show next week. Let's mark it down. Speak it write, it,
0: write it down. Mark it down. Write it down. Chris. I'm Wes. Uh, y'all enjoy the game tomorrow. Y'all have a great weekend. And uh, we'll see y'all sometime next week.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?